Welcome back, you sports enthusiasts. Uh, this is the Hang'em Podcast. Tonight, it looks like we might go under a debate-style conversation, speaking about such things as the role or style of success in coaching, the screaming and kicking versus the calm, uh, cool, and collected constructive criticism approach. Um, a heavily debated behind-the-scenes topic of the one and only primetime Deion Sanders. And is he a coach? Is he a salesman? And then what importance does selling your program or selling your vision to your kids play into a part of success within your own team? Probably going to touch on a few other topics that will just kind of organically come through our conversation. Uh, We're going to start this off to uh, talk about this coaching style conflict between the old school Bobby Knight military approach versus the more contemporary calm collected type of coach. To start us off, we will head this over to Nick so that he can chime in on his opinion on the effective coaching style. So I think in the context of like middle school age kids, I just kind of randomly chose middle age school kids, but in context of them, my thoughts are, and if you use little league, the little league world series, which is 10 to 12 years old uh, age group, it's the most successful coaches aren't getting overly passionate. And I say overly passionate. I don't mean like that, you know, they're not excited when their team does something well. I'm saying the ones that are more or less even killed. And when they have a, a mound visit or when they're talking to a player during a critical moment, they're trying to calm the heartbeat down. That's the term that I, I've more or less internalized myself. They're trying to basically take control of the emotions of the game. And it's, it's an effective communication tool of quote unquote mirroring. So if the coach is out there and he's, He's yelling at Bobby because he's not making the right play or he's, you know, screwing up or something like that. From my perspective, I don't think that that's, that's effective way of coaching, uh, especially at that age. I recognize that there are applicable situations, you know, as you go in and, and personalities, et cetera. From my perspective, I'm thinking more often than not, if you're giving calm, cool, collective uh, feedback, uh, and you're allowing the kids to internalize that and make, you know, not be afraid to make mistakes, then they're more apt to perform at a higher level uh, and, and grasp the concepts that you're trying to uh, instill into them during that process than, say, getting on a case and, and screaming at them. And my basis for it is uh, trying to use, like, the Major League Baseball farm system, not not Major League. Because Major League, they care about the results and solar the results. But the farm system leading up to it, and again, I understand that they're not the same age. We're not even talking about the same level of athlete. But the idea is it's about the process. When they see something, it's a constructive criticism. But I'd say, again, at a middle school age, from my own personal experience, the coaches that I thought were doing a better job than, say, others were the ones that are trying to, well, first understand the situation, right? Trying to instill into these kids, let's use modified football as an example. Hey, you may have never played before, organized uh, football, so to speak. You may not even know who to block or some of these terminologies. But if I'm, you know, screaming at you, getting in your ear, because I showed you on film on Monday and it's Thursday and you didn't block the right person, that's either going to have the kid shut down, shell up, uh, and I remember one coach vividly in the back of my mind that just literally was flying off the handle, uh, probably, you know, shotgun 10 Red Bulls before he got on the practice field. Um, he intimidated probably 90% of the team. And his whole concept was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get y'all jacked up. I'm going to, you know, 
be up in your rear ends, uh, chewing you out every time you make a mistake. And I, I mean, I think, I don't even think we won a game that maybe we won one game that season. We were one and nine versus uh, another coach that we had in JV that was a polar opposite, calm, cool. As to use his words, Coach Muchka never got overly passionate, right? He's, he said, I'm not a rah rah type of guy. I think we won a little bit more games that season, but uh, seeing that coaching style and seeing how players understood what he was trying to say and like they weren't afraid to make mistakes. So they would make mistakes, but make it aggressively. Anyways, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I, I, from my own personal perspective, it's the coaches in the process. And I, again, I use middle school just because it's between where we are versus a high school slash college kids. If we're, if, if we're coaching them from a place of, Hey, you made a mistake. You don't understand this. Let's kind of, let's kind of revert back. Let's, let's see where, how else can I communicate this to you? Um, or what other concepts could we, you know, visualize to have you understand what we're trying to do here versus dang it. You, you don't understand. And because you don't understand, I'm going to have you run, you know, 10 miles uh, when you get back, hopefully that, that physical punishment will, will get through to you. So I think Nick, I, I'm actually totally cool with either coaching style. I've seen both be successful quite honestly at every age group. You know, I can look at little league or very young youth. I can look at that transitional time period of middle school. Uh, I, I've seen it at the high school. I've seen it at the college level. I think the biggest key here is to be consistent. Uh, I think that's the message for any, you know, aspiring coach or any coaches out there is uh, whatever your coaching style is, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and go renegade and say you know, un- unapologetically I am who I am. I, I think that there's always, you know, room to look in the mirror and, and uh, reevaluate your style. But I think at the end of the day, whatever you land on day one comes practice and your squad shows up, you, you have to be consistent, you know? So I think about it at like the youth level, for example, you know, you, you Nick in particular have been a proponent of, you know, consistent discipline. Okay. So the first time, you know, you introduce yourself to Johnny, Hey, this isn't going to fly. Second time, a little bit sterner talk. Third time, we're going to go touch the fence. For some parents out there, they could be like, what? why is Johnny on the first practice going and running and touching the fence? They could look at it as you're a you know, hard-nosed, old-school coach. You, you obviously would be justifying it as I'm instilling discipline, right? Then you have other coaches where it's like, hey, I, I want them to find their individuality, and I'm going to find a way to, you know, to complement that style of the player, right? I, I know when I was younger, just speaking from experience, you know, that first, what I would consider to be legit coaching job when I was at Ezel, when we won the state championship that year, I was looking to try to, I wasn't trying to buck the system, right? Like I, I, I walked into a loaded deck. I'll be the first to admit I had nine kids that were already committed to go play college. I just had to manage the talent, not get in the way, put a little bit of coaching pizzazz at the end of the season, you know, when certain calls might actually matter and win a championship. But the coaching style of it was the most important piece. Do I come in there and do I take Coach Frude's perspective, which as a side note, he was very much like old school military, or was it to change the approach and come across as more approachable, more laid back, more of like I'm the player's coach and I'm here to serve you. I was very consistent. However, I will say that even despite winning the championship, I was very conflicted if I was too soft. And, you know, and we're talking about kids that were 14 to 18 is that age group. 
So not too far remiss from, you know, the age group that you're referring to at 10 and 12. Um, I 100% agree with you, Nick. I think that it's about matching what you perceive to be your team's energy. I don't believe that it's a, uh, especially in today's age of, of, of social media and athletics and, and how it's broadcast and how quickly a, a player can just leave your program at whatever level, you know, or school, that you can't quite be my way or the highway. But I do think if I look at historical references of the most successful coaches, they've always been tough. But the one of the first pieces of advice, and I'll leave this here, the best piece of advice I ever got in my first coaching stop at Tennessee was when the head coach, Ralph, he said, Tyler, at the end of the day, you can be as hard as you want to, and you can be absolutely correct for what you are about to coach, teach, or tell. But you have to make sure the very last thing you say is the most important because it's what they're really going to remember. And so I've taken that into every stop I've ever had. If I'm going to be getting into somebody's ass, I make sure, obviously, that I'm very firm. But then I also I always finish it with, here's how we're going to improve. Don't know if that's something that's agreed upon. But that's the goal that I always try to shoot with is what's the last thing that I can say to make sure that I don't lose the player. I do want to clarify on something, though. I think where I'm I'm getting at, you can still be stern and have discipline, but be calm and cool. I mean, I think I'm the coach that is calm and cool. I know I get I, I get passionate at times, but I, I mean, I wouldn't say that's way more often than not. I mean, I, I've self-admitted that I, I've. I got uh, up in my son's case after during a game where I said G Willikers or something, <laughs> something along that lines. Uh, but I guess what I'm getting at is, is like, uh, I think I've also used this as an example. We've talked about in the past where I've uh, during our three fours at a kid that just refused to listen to what we're asking him to do. And literally we're just asking him, Hey, could you stand up and turn around and watch the batter? I'm afraid you're going to get hit by the ball. Just stares like look, literally goes the opposite direction. It's like, okay, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you're not stand up, we're going to go run, touch the fence. And I'm going to run with you. I don't need to get like mad and passionate, like super frustrated with this kid. Here's, here's the rules. If you don't comply with it, that's fine. Let's just, I mean, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run. And I ran with him. But to me, that's the difference would be is getting extremely frustrated. And I'm, I'm screaming at him. And we all know a coach in our league. I don't even have to say his name. And everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. That is the opposite that literally is screaming kind of borderline mental and verbal abuse to these kids. You're doing terrible. This is like disgusting. Tyler, you mentioned during your game, you were in center field and you heard this coach mention something to the kid of uh, great, you know, Timmy, you, you just struck out. Now go sit down and, and watch uh, the rest of your team as you just let them down. That's kind of where I'm getting at is, and, and that team finished what top, top five or something. But that, that's kind of where I'm getting at is, is from a, a coaching standpoint, what do we think is more applicable at the middle age or middle age, <laughs> middle school age, that approach of like, I don't think it's to that extreme, but like Tyler, to your point, like a Bobby Knight of like, you're very vocal in letting the person know that you're very displeased to them. And it's in a more, for lack of a better term, aggressive, constructive criticism manner versus the opposite of hey what talk to me what what happened here I, I saw that you you threw to first base but you you didn't have your front elbow up so therefore when you threw the ball the ball sailed over the first baseman's head you overthrew it okay let's let's dissect this like what what happened like 
walk me through your, 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 your mindset here, that sort of coaching. So go ahead. So, so I think the, the interesting line here, right? Because of what we're getting at is, you know, we're, we're taking the best versions of extremes that we can present, right? And trying to talk about credence for either side. I, I think the truth is here is that I don't, I've never been a fan of the berating coach, right? I'll, I'll tag it as that. I don't see what good comes from, for lack of a better word, just shit talking your players. Do I have a problem with a coach getting extremely animated, especially when we've run over a drill over and over and over and over again, or that if, you know, and, and I think, you know, the, the wives talked about it in our last episode when a star kid or any kid rather just doesn't have it for that day. And it's not because of a physical ability, but just their lack of effort, their lack of focus. Right. I guess it comes down right. When I think about the coach is, and I'm going to speak from the professional side, uh, I'm collecting a paycheck, especially at the college level. And, and I'm going to come back to the middle, middle school age, you know, demographic, but I can't afford for you to have just a, oh, I'm not feeling it today type of day. Right. Because if I, if I was to relinquish that and say, okay, you know what, this was a non-conference midweek. It's all right. You know, let's just get resettled for the conference games this weekend. Well, then I'm setting a new precedent that anybody on the team can realize that a midweek's just not nearly as important. And, and so I do think that there is a standard that as a coach that you have to create. And I think that you have to have your non-negotiables in place for that, those breaking points. Right. And I say breaking points to where like, let's say you are a calm collected coach, but there's certain things that are going to just send you to zero to 60 um, and, and are going to have a little bit out of character moments, or you are an animated coach. And these are the things that get you going right away. I think that that's what I'm kind of talking about in this first part of the segment of being consistent. I think as long as you, that your players start to understand the culture that you're creating, it doesn't have to be for them, right? Like I've heard other podcasts where professional athletes come on and talk about like there are certain players out there that just can't handle that type of, that type of coaching, right? Perry and Donald or Arnold just the other day talking about Nick Saban ripping him a new, you know, butthole coming off the sideline. And he was talking about being able to mature as a player and to understand the importance of the coaching of what he was getting out of it, right? I think that there's a certain fortitude um, and quite honest life character lessons that can be learned by not everybody's going to be a sunshine and rainbow, calm, cool, collected coach. And I think that there is a place in your playing career where tough love, if we're going to call it that, is certainly needed, you know, but to the middle school age, Nick, you're hundred percent right. There's nothing that I can, in my opinion, that I think that I can debate, especially when you have 10 and 12 year old moments. Let's just take the little league world series as an example. And that pitcher is like right on the brink of tears because they understand the importance of that game. That's not a moment to sit there and rip your player. Even, you know, like, do you want to talk about emotionally being frail there? Yeah, you, you want to, but you can't, right. You just, it, you're, you're reading confidence there. How can you get Timmy's confidence up to throw that next pitch to get your team out of the inning and get up to the plate to be able to wash that momentum away or try to take that momentum away. Right. Which is another key uh, component, you know, maybe down the road that we talk about the importance of the Mo in our sport and the effect that it has on us as coaches or players or parents. So I looked up a uh, child psychologist uh, sort of recommendations for like different age groups. And the one between 10 and 12 is talking about like kind of where the kids uh, child development is in terms of like different things, right? Uh, and their recommendation is uh, feedback, a mixture of positive reinforcement and constructive criticism given a positive tone 
avoid comparisons with peers, you'd uh, guided questions such as uh, how do you think you could prove that pass versus like pass it with your left foot? This is uh, just for giving some context here. It's uh, it's just a sport.com. I know Tyler would love that. Uh, but nevertheless, um, personally think like there's a time and a place for different things. And I think what we're dancing around is the fact that there are 16 different personalities, personality types. One aspect that I know a lot of uh, uh, businesses use to assess who was going to fit their culture, you know, do like in some circumstances using the kind of the polar opposites, you have the introverts versus the extroverts. Well, sales group, most people in sales, successful sales are the extroverts, sort of not the ones that are super talkative though. So anyways, I, I think it does, it comes back to like kind of some points that uh, knowing your personnel, knowing what per, the person you're talking to again, because some, some personality types, need that that assertive shove like not physically but like hey get your head in gear and again to kind of use my context that that coach responded to the individual that i talked about previously about uh you know the all-star athlete he got him in the zone and that's great but i i can't say that he got a lot of other players in the zone because when i bring that coach up to my friends back at home we all have the same resounding thing of like that guy was a jerk period. And like, I don't think he got the best out of us versus, you know, our JV coach. I do think he got the best out of most people. And it's all around the same. Like we were just one sport or one year removed from each other. Yeah. I'll throw this in here as a question and choose to response, or we can just leave it here. What level of pedigree historically, or, you know, in the moment does winning change or adopt the cultivation of the coaching style though take for example i mean we've used nick saban already think universally most people look at this guy as a hard ass of a coach what would i'm just you know i'm kind of talking this out loud nick saban say early on in his career as he was cutting his teeth at michigan state does he get the same response versus the what six national championships at alabama now seven or eight if you include lsu does he get that same type of respect? Does the culture adopt to his style quicker or, or is less abrasive based off of what he, when he walks in that room now? You know, I've, I've honestly have thought about that. I, th- I think about stuff from like a, a business standpoint. Uh, Cause I read a book about uh, how there's different leadership styles, obviously, uh, but how different leadership styles are necessary in certain timeframes. And it uses like history as an example about how Abraham Lincoln was the perfect president for that time, given his personality. Yada, yada, yada. So I'll take Ed Orgeron when he made the LSU run. Right. From coach three games into the season goes and wins a national championship. Yeah. I personally think, and I don't know Nick Saban's perfect like biography here, but I personally think that Nick Saban is who Nick Saban is. I don't think he was ever a player considered a player's coach. I think over time he and his coaching style galvanized his approach or maybe vice versa. Maybe his approach galvanized his coaching style uh, and the culture has to take place. I mean, what, what college coach uh, or no, it was uh, Dan Campbell from, um, uh, the Detroit Lions, you're going to change for us. We're not going to change for you, right? Like the whole culture. And I, I mean, 
we've talked about from a recruiting standpoint, Nick Saban can basically say, hey, you can come here and win another national championship with us if you want to. That's completely up to you. However, the trade-off is, is you need to understand that I'm go- I am going to pull the best thing out of you, best best way possible. And a, kind of a, a what's that a word? Paradigm. 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 Thank you. You have like, like a Nick Saban and an Urban Meyer. Nick Saban is the stereotypical like buy with a highway, A plus B equals C every single time. And I I know Urban Meyer read his book, uh, whatever the heck it was. He's more of a player's coach of like, oh, let's kind of joke around here or there a little bit, even though you've heard some stories, especially from like Joe Burrow. And I think there's a little bit overlap, but from Nick or from Urban Meyer's standpoint, his is more of a we can get to see several different ways. It doesn't always have to equal A plus B. And he's open and willing to kind of change and morph somewhat of what he does versus Nick Saban's been kind of, this is it. I mean, you're going to do what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, you're going to comply with what I ask you to, to do or you're, you're done. So here's where I'm going to go with this, bringing this back to a more crowd uh, appropriate conversation, given that we've, you know, centralized in younger youth sport. This hotshot instructor slash baseball guru ro- rolls into to town. Everybody's heard of him, and that's good and bad, right? So the resume states that he's been able to continue to progress the careers of fill in the blank. The statistics of his team are phenomenal. The championship and accolades are out the roof, but he's known as a hard-ass coach. He's tough. As a parent now, Nick, is the perspective, let's give this guy a shot, we'll see what it's about, or, or, or are you tiptoeing on trepidation of like, I don't know what I'm about to get myself into here. Let's just err on the side of caution. I, I guess that's where I'm kind of going with the idea of cultural or historical success, but knowing that there's a certain culture or style about this coach when, when, you know, as we, where we started this, you know, this debate at, at what age does it become appropriate to allow that tough coaching or that uh, screaming and, and kicking, if you will, to be, a, uh, to be a little bit more allowed? I think what's tough here is, you know, as these kids move and age out, let's say the 10 to 12, right? Like they hit the pinnacle of fun in their youth sports career. I think most people universally would agree that 10 to 12 is like, the the highlight the celebration of where the passion turns into the next journey of the process that you talked about that's really in my opinion when the process really kicks into gear yeah if it's if it's not at the pinnacle it's 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 about to crest right like it's very close to it right and so i do think that there is credence that tough coaching is required I, i i'm a firm believer of that i don't think that any great ball player out there would say, you know, I I go back to this, Nick, you said, you know, I remember the first coach I ever had, right. I would double this down and I'd say, I can remember the toughest coach I ever had. Ironically, the best coach I ever had too. I don't know if that from my personal story is just coincident, right. In comparison to yours. Right. But coach Anderson, he revolutionized um, and changed the culture at Nashville Christian. He made me the best baseball player I could ever be, but he was also the toughest coach that I, I mean, you made one mistake and your ass was running. 
it didn't matter if it hit a rock and the hop jumped over your face. He would have said, why was your nose not lined up on the ball? Why couldn't you read that hop? Why weren't you being aggressive to the ball? He was going to give you no excuse for why the mistake happened. Now, I can obviously argue that that's <laughs> insane uh, at times, but he was going to push for greatness. And, and I think that there's something to be said about that. But I'm, but I agree, guys. Like I'm not losing sight that you ha- you have to be compassionate. That's another very key important part of being a good coach: having compassion, being able to connect with your players. And I think that's that's personally why I wanted to use middle school because, like, when you're sitting there talking about it, the number one coach in my mind, and we've all seen, or maybe most of us, especially up in the north, have seen this movie, Miracle. Her books. Remember the mm-hmm. the dynamics during the movie. Uh, where he's talking about cutting a player. Everybody's like, that's, that's messed up Herb. Like we've, we spent all, you know, two, the past two years, whatever together. And all of a sudden you're talking about cutting a guy like the day before the Olympics. Like, this is crazy, man. Lining them up after they, they got embarrassed. Oh, it was like a qualifier or something like that. Lake Placid, um, making them do, uh, end to end, you know, to the point where Mike Ruzioni, I, I doubt that that's, that really would happen, but regardless, Herb Brooks is the, the idea that comes to mind. But that's college, almost pro level. I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of like, yes, those coaches, Stern, like having complete discipline, expecting perfection, is absolutely necessary at that end of the age spectrum. Because I mean, quite frankly, like those are developed people; those are human beings, right? Like those kids, those people, kids are not even kids anymore. They could vote. I think the difference, right, to bring it more applicable, and you could drop this down to five, six, and I think this is where the original part of the conversation was going, is that although it might not be screaming and kicking, I think that if you were to replace that word with stern discipline, uh, I think that that is the closest element at the younger age group that we try to instill, right? And because I do, I listen, I there is nothing wrong with having a fun coach that whenever they go out to to sign up for the community baseball league and they're all about the kids just having fun. That is the sole purpose, you know, and if they can sprinkle in a little bit of knowledge in some baseball, and if they can win a few games, like that's their coaching style. I I don't, I, I don't hate that. I also see, and we've talked about this for reference, the coaches that are extremely detail oriented, you know, and it, and, and sometimes that detail goes to, ber, you know, a berating type of style. I'd like to think that, collectively the group of coaches that you know we rub elbows with on any given day or any season it's it's a combination of both where we are specifically for this age group right where we are instilling a stern level of discipline that we do emphasize passionate based fun but um there's certainly going to be certain kids that are going to try to buck the system and unfortunately this isn't like you know, your high school team or your college team, where if they buck the system enough, you can just get rid of the cancer. Not literally saying that a five-year-old kid who just can't listen is cancer, but y'all get my analogy here. But I do think that it's our, our duty at that point for what we're trying to achieve with the team to go to any, any measure that we need, whether that's talking to Timmy, then talking to the parents, then talking to the commissioner, to where it gets to a point that if it is such a distraction, we, we do need to find a way to remove that because it takes away from what you are trying to accomplish. So guys, uh, quite honestly, we, we intended in starting to with tonight's podcast to touch on 
the savior versus salesman, um, very polarizing character of Deion Sanders. But hopefully uh, y'all have um, our passion has resonated through this episode to where we quite honestly uh, think that we have enough material to call this an episode just on coaching style alone, whether the viewpoint is uh, the military old school Bobby Knight style, the screaming, kicking, the stern discipline approach, the calm collected, the players coaching, whatever key phrase. Obviously, there is a, a, a fine line or two opposite approach to take here. We'd love to hear from our listeners about uh, what they uh, view to be a successful coaching style and one that may be related to them the most. Um, additionally, wanted to give a shout out to all the prospective student athletes, uh, as this week was National Signing Day for a lot of uh, major collegiate sports. Um, we've, we as a group have been talking about how can we talk about that next step journey uh, from becoming a youth amateur. And, and by technicality, uh, they are still amateurs at the collegiate level, but there is the NIL of today's age. Um, talking about looking to get an episode on here about that. Uh, I know we've been promising for a while some special guests. We're getting it, we're inching closer to, to getting some of those onto the air with us that are not our wives. So looking really forward to bringing in some fresh energy and a new voice for y'all to hear for a different perspective. And uh, to close this out tonight, I'll hand it back to Nick. Yeah, thank you. Uh, again, kind of a, a sentiment that uh, Tyler had mentioned is we also want to give a thanks and shout out to our, our listeners. Bill, I know you're you're an advocate of giving me advice nearly on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis. Uh, most of it's trash, but the, every now and then you'll give a, a good piece of advice. Uh, Tom, down in Houston, I want to give you a shout out as well. I appreciate you listening. Uh, and Bobby, here in town, I appreciate you listening as well. If you haven't, again, I'm going to do another shameless plug, but if you haven't, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. It's at hangemuppod, M, by M, I mean hang, E-M, up, U-P, pod, P-O-D, uh, all one word squished together. Uh, you'll see our, our uh, icon on there. So we're happy to, to interact with you all, get feedback. Other than that, I just don't want us down here and kind of sound awkward, so I'm just going to go ahead and... Hang him up.